And now, from the University of Chicago Institute of Politics and CNN, The Axe Files, with your host, David Axelrod. Miguel Cervantes is well known in Chicago and the theater community as the star of Hamilton, uh, the Chicago production. Uh, He's a brilliant actor and singer and performer, but uh, I also know him in another role, and that's the role of uh, dad to a beautiful young daughter, Adelaide, who has epilepsy in a very, very virulent form. I spoke with him about both his career in theater and his family's challenges when we sat down uh, in Chicago last week. Miguel Cervantes, my, my friend, it's good to see you, especially... We're recording this early in the morning. You were probably performing late into the night. Yeah, you know, Wednesdays are the uh, two show days, so I oh uh, my I, god, yes. I, I pack a lot of Hamilton into a Wednesday, and uh, that's and uh, you know, uh, I I mean to ask you about that because there's so much energy in that production, and the idea of doing it not just every night but twice in a day seems taxing. Yeah, you know, it's as as I am in my third year of of this uh, roller coaster here. It's it the 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 ebbs and flows of how the energy comes and goes is it's it's remarkable. You know, in the first year, it was I, I was holding on for dear life. I just just getting through one show, you know, and not, not to mention two shows in a day was I could feel how much it takes. And then you know, like anything else, you do it enough times, um, the the your body sort of gets, becomes accustomed. Um, so, you know, I have found a rhythm, found a, found a pretty good, um, you know, regimen to sort of keep myself in it. But I tell you, you know, Wednesdays after the show, I go home, I feel okay, you know, but after the rush of two shows, but then I get home and it's like a wall falls on top of me and I fall down, um, realizing that, you know, the, 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 you know, the amount of energy that goes through every single show, um, I don't think I realize it, um, but everyone always says to me, like, how? I can't believe you. I can't believe you do that. I, I said, I, I don't know. I just get up and go. And, you know, that's one of the the amazing things about this show is regardless of how I feel or how how what happened last night or, or any of these things, um, the show starts and it, it just goes. You it's, 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 it's energetic. Yeah. So, but let's talk about the journey to yeah. the show. You're, you're a, you're a, a, a big ass star here in Chicago now, uh, but well. before before that, you were your classic kind of struggling actor, and it started in Dallas. Your yeah. your journey started in Dallas. Tell me about tell me about growing up in Dallas. Tell me about your family. Yeah, well, I was a, a, a second a middle middle brother of three brothers: uh, Martin, my younger brother Miguel, Marcos, my older brother, my dad Marcos, and my mom Mary. So the five M's were the M and M's. Uh, to everyone else around the family, the Cervantes family, and um, uh, you know, I, just the the kid, always the kid in in class that wanted to get get well, up. And before read. I get to you, tell tell me about your folks. You know, my mom and dad were. Uh, my dad was Mexican, uh, a Mexican American. Uh, his, his grandparents came from Mexico as ranchers um, when when he was, I think, you know, before, well before he was born. Um, and my and my mom's family grew up uh, was lo- located in El Paso, Texas. So Texas folks, and they were both in the military. My dad was a Marine. My mom was in the Navy, and uh, they sort of met in New Orleans uh, and got together uh, there, and then sort of relocated to Dallas, where my dad's family ended up, and all the Cervantes uh, clan was there. 
and that's sort of how we grew up, uh, surrounded by um, my dad's family and this huge, huge uh, uh, Hispanic uh, culture that we we got to enjoy. Let and me ask you, uh, you: you're watching all of this stuff going yeah. on uh, relative to uh, immigration and the whole contratemps that's uh, between the president and the Congress over this and so on. How do you process that as a Hispanic American? How do you process it as a, as a uh, Texan? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's hard to understand. It really is hard to understand uh, coming from a, a, a childhood and a life where, you know, I, I like to say that I was ignorant a lot of, I was either sheltered or ignorant of any sort of, you know, racism or, or, or bigotry about that kind of thing. It just, we were all a community. And, and, and to think that around us there were, and now there are folks that I grew up with and that were around me that, that didn't accept or don't accept and don't accept. It just doesn't make sense to me to sort of, cause my family, we were, we were, we were a regular family. My, my, the Cervantes is in Dallas and Brady, Texas and San Antonio, where we were, we were, it didn't, it didn't. And so, well, you know, I, it, it, there, there seems to be a, a, a difference in the way Texans are, or at least Texans along the border are processing this issue and the way the president is processing uh, this issue because they're exposed to the reality of, of, uh, of migration and, uh, know what a wall would mean and what it wouldn't mean. Um, so uh, it, it may be that uh, Texans have a different... I mean, no, I, there's no doubt that there, that racism exists, that yeah. uh, you know the, those divisions exist, but, I mean, you guys were closer to ground zero there. Yeah, I, you know, I don't... It, it doesn't... I don't remember or I don't have any real sort of idea of 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 what you know like a border we didn't know we were in Dallas so we were mm-hmm. pretty far away from that but it never it never felt to me that living in Dallas that people were upset that there were a lot of Mexicans <laughs> you know it didn't seem to me that people were like wow we, this is terrible you yeah. know and so why all of a sudden is it like that is it really like that i, I just i don't think it is so talk about uh your yourself and um this sort of how you got attracted to this life that you're leading well my mom um uh was in touch with uh our the choir director when i was in i don't know 11 11 years old fourth grade or fifth grade whatever that means and she uh she asked him like well what is you know what what, what do we do with this kid because i was always singing always jumping up in front of people sometimes a lot of energy a lot of energy and a lot of um uh, lack of, you know, uh, I think I got in trouble a lot because I would get up and, and want to be people to look at me at, you know, for what, for better, for worse. I have a son that sort of acts like that too. It's, um, <laughs> genetic. Um, yeah. So, uh, the, the, there was a, a musical, I guess my mom found it in the newspaper back when people wrote the newspaper for the classifieds and, uh, and went to Garland, Texas, um, and auditioned for this little show, this little musical, and I got a little part in the musical. 
And so she thought this would be a good expenditure of your energy yeah. and your and, you know, desire to then, be I was, therapy. Up until then, I was soccer, baseball, everything that, that, that I could, you know, find my way, basketball, um, the whole thing. Um, and it was really, uh, you know, it wasn't even part of my thinking. You know, my dad was in a band when he was in high school. I had pictures of him playing with his band and pretty good singer and he played what kind the, what kind of band just like a little you know house rock band in the 50s and and uh you know i think i don't know if he played i, know, I think he's, he was the singer they sang in the still of the night that was like his that was his, <laughs> that was his uh big claim to fame um and uh uh so it wasn't part of our culture it wasn't part of our, it's my family's life you know there wasn't pictures of my parents on stage or, or anyone even in our family um so it wasn't ever part of I wanted to be a soccer player when I was in high So did you think it was did you think it was weird that she took you here did you question going or No I never questioned it I the, when we would do when we, at Christmas at the at the every Christmas Eve we would put on this show right uh, my aunt Becky would um, organize a show for the family and we're talking like 25 people at C- Christmas Eve and it was some sort of play about um, the three wise men or three kings. And it was me and my brothers and the cousins and all. We would all have a part. And Mary and Joseph would come running in with a doll. And Or she wrote a song, a show about this kid named Billy. And he, what did he want for Christmas? And and all of this. And so we would do these performances. Oh, she'd write whole shows? A, a whole time. show. There's a video of <laughs> us, you know, all doing our little show. And it was, it was so it was part of it was part of what we did it was sort of part this performance thing was kind of part of our my life and all of us it was it was a it was a theatrical family without having any theater in the in the blood or in the you know in the history so when i got there it was it was kind of i remember watching um into the woods the pbs into the woods with bernadette peters um as a kid and i just thought it was super cool that people did that on stage and so when i got to this theater it was this little kids theater the garland civic theater it just it just i was i said oh this is this is happening this is cool this is something that and so it didn't ever feel awkward or you know it just felt like oh this seems like a cool thing to do also and so i jumped right in and there was a choreographer her name was paula and she was banging a stick on the ground and we had to learn how to sort of do a little soft shoe tapping and i said okay you know this is this is and i just did it and you know uh, we performed for all these kids and for the parents, and and that was the beginning. And I was part of that theater community from fifth grade or sixth grade all the way until I graduated high school. Really? Yeah. And was there like a a palpable rush of being in front of the of performing? And was it? I I, I don't know. I'm not uh, exactly a musical performer. You know, I'm not an actor, uh, but I'm. I wonder, as a as a kid, did you? What did you get from it? I, you know, I, what I got from it was not so much the um, the you know like the like the, the adrenaline rush or, or something like I'm performing. I think what I got was it was comfortable to be in a place with other people mm-hmm. that we were all sort of the same type of person. We were all doing this kind of a weird thing together. And I never felt like an outsider or, or like a, any kind of, you know, uh, you know, outcast because I was so theatrical and, and singing it all the time. But it was, it was, it, it felt, it felt 
like a, a really community community like a yeah, yeah. like a community of people so interesting you know i did a uh a, a show with uh tom hanks and he talked about when he was when he 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 was he did feel like an outsider he had moved 10 times when he was a kid and so on but he said when he was introduced to this theater group in high school i think it was high school uh, he said it was like immediately i felt i felt my community i felt I felt like I was part of something, yeah, uh, and it felt very natural to me, yeah. You know? And it, you know, it was also the we we'd performed in front of a lot of kids, and I just thought I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. They bust all these schools in, and we performed this show for them, and I just thought, I, that we, we're this, we're all the, together. This mm-hmm. is we're all we're all a bunch of kids performing, and, and for some, I just. I loved that part. I don't know if it was because I was out in the middle and in front of people. It's never really been about that. It's more of just there was this connection between with, with the other actors, the other actors, and also the kids that came and oh, saw I the see. show yeah. as well. Did you? Are you still close to some of the people a who few you of them. performed with? Yeah, there's a few folks that we sort of stay in touch. You know, on the there are all these people, folks are in Dallas, and um, uh, there's a few of the people who we remain in contact. And I mean. It, it's funny to see them or talk to them. They've come, some, some have come to the city and seen Hamilton. And to remember, you know, these little 10 year, 11 year old kids out there doing a little soft shoe. <laughs> and and from, from that comes this. And you went to performing arts school after Yeah, that. after after high school. Well, after it, I, I got after into, you get into this group. Got yeah. into high school. Yeah, after, after I started theater, I still stayed on the regular track, the public high school in Dallas, Skyline High School, big 5,000 kids at the high school, just the one down the street from my house. Um, but I continued to do theater out in Garland, Texas, and I, I did a show called The King and I, and I was dancing. I've heard of that. You know, The King yes, and I, it's yes. a, well, some people have seen it. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I, I, was a, you know, I was dancing around, and I met this girl uh, who was in one, one of the dancers, and she said, hey, you know, you should you should come to my school. And I said, what, what school is that? You know, I, and she said, well, it's the arts magnet high school. And while probably in Dallas, there were a lot of kids who knew about it and wanted to go there. I had no idea. It wasn't, it wasn't part of my thinking. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting. You say a lot of kids probably knew about it and wanted to go there, but there probably were a lot of kids who didn't know about it like you. And this is like a story you see all over. Like there, there are, Miguel Cervantes all over the place who have this gift but don't necessarily know what the pathway is uh you know yeah. they don't know how to get to the performing arts school they don't have you know you, you can get lost in a school of 5000 and I, no one's going to say hey you know what you look to me like someone who should go over there because yeah. you yeah. and that's a that's kind of sad yeah, I, that, I think it there it would just was happenstance that this all happened like that, and you know why didn't I know? I, yeah. Why didn't my mom know? Why yeah. I was? I so don't if know. you hadn't met that girl, well, if I hadn't met the girl, I, I still would have been in the theater, in the theater sort of track mm-hmm. um, that I was doing out in Garland. I think I would have continued on there, but what happened was I. She said, you can come as a dancer because you have to usually start that school as a freshman. She said, but guy dancers are pretty high demand and you can shake it a little bit. So come on as a dancer. And I said, okay, sure. So I went to the, I went over there in high school and did this little audition jumping around and they said, yeah, come on as a junior into the dance department. So I started 
as a dancer and people are like, oh, you were a dancer? I was like, okay, let, let's not go crazy here. I could move <laughs> pretty well and started taking dance classes. Um, but through that, I sort of met the choir director and the acting teacher and, and, and then was, you want to talk about community, you know, this school was just, and it was called Booker T. Washington, which is also the black high school in Dallas. And I, they, it, it turned into the arts magnet, but remained a predominantly black um, high school. So the diversity in that building was just yeah. unbelievable. And the talent and the way that all, and there were all types of people, there were, there were, there were, there were, hallways full of art and and people and singing and playing trumpet in the middle of the I was like this is unbelievable and so that's where I saw um so many more people um and and not only artistic people but eth you know race the race the the race differences the ethnic people there were black kids there were Hispanic kids there were Asian kids it was like just every it was awesome now I've uh, seen you for reasons we'll get into here uh, perform not just in Hamilton but I've seen you uh, sing and and uh, play with uh, other musicians and so on uh, and really um, you know you're great uh, at it did, did you uh, think of yourself predominantly as a dancer as a singer as an actor I you know I I, I wasn't sure I wasn't sure what where I was going to fit when I started this high school thing, I was like, okay, maybe I can be a dancer because clearly they need some guys who can dance. And I started that track and I saw what the guy dancers were really doing. <laughs> I thought, well, yeah, maybe that's not it. And so then I, I enjoyed singing. I, I always, as when I started the choir, I was like, oh, this is also very, very cool. And I think I'm pretty good at this too. Um, but then there was this acting thing that I said, well, I guess I need to be doing that also. And so coming out of coming out of high school, they had a big, um, um, a, you know, college mm -hmm. uh, uh, showcase, and the the folks from uh, Emerson College and American University both showed interest in me, um, and so I sort of flipped a coin. So you audition basically. Yeah, it was kind of a, a group audition, and they would come and sort of the college reps would ask for me. Emerson has a big theater program. They, yeah, yeah, and I, I didn't know anything about Emerson. I was going to go to NYU or Santa Fe or I mean, uh, um, yeah, I guess I had knew a friend who went to Santa Fe or, you know, Carnegie Mellon or some of the big ones that were kind of in the, in the, and that's why. But thought. you knew you were going to go do this. That's essentially at that point, um, I thought this is how I'm going to get to go to college. And my, we didn't have any money. We didn't have, we didn't have, I was, I was a relatively smart kid, uh, but there was no way that we were going to be able to pay for college uh, without getting someone to help. So, they offered me money, and Amer American and Emerson gave me the same amount of money, and so I kind of flipped the coin and chose Boston. And so, it, the I went as a musical theater major um, into uh, into this college, but not really having a clear, you know, idea of what it was that I was the best at, or should be, or wanted to be the best at. Well, what's know? really interesting is you know, and this is obviously why you got the role but uh you know hamilton requires all of those things i mean you need to be able to dance you need to be, to be able to sing you need to be able to act uh so you know it, you, it's good that you didn't specialize yeah, yeah i went in when i got to new york as a after college i would only go to the dance auditions i would I, for some reason i just thought that's gonna be my in and i was not good enough 
I just wasn't. And I tried his classes and I think I thought oh, I can do this, but I just never was good enough. But I just didn't go. I didn't go to the singer auditions. I didn't go to the for some reason. I just thought that wasn't going to be it either. Um, when I remember that time in my life as a 21 year old, 21 year old kid thinking, well, I don't know what I'm going to do here because I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. So you did what every young actor does or thinks of doing you went to new york when yeah. you got out of emerson yeah i uh as a as in college i i had a lot of uh, i got a lot of attention i got a lot of experience at the emerson majestic theater in in boston and it was awesome i felt like i felt like i was on top of the world there the the musical theater department was relatively small the theater department was pretty pretty large but um a guy named leo nicole there at emerson really took me under his wing and sort of helped me uh help, helped develop me into you know uh uh, a pretty accomplished uh, performer there. So coming out of college, I, I just thought I was going to kick the door down in New York City, and it didn't quite happen that way. Um, if you could kick doors down, you probably would have made the dance part. <laughs> over my head, you know what I mean. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't quite have the success immediately that I thought, and so I had to sort of start this grind, the grinding of the auditions and all these things that everyone else does, and I didn't know where. To start, I didn't know where I was, and you ended up in. actually going back to Dallas. I mean, you, yeah. you must you you retreated. Uh, yeah, as a, as I was fumbling around, and I got a job as a restaurant, and making some pretty good money there, and you know, living kind of a New York you know party life uh, as a twenty two year old kid. Um, uh, September eleventh came along, and then sort of the city really changed. It was really a, a weird place to be for October and November after that, and I was trying to move. Where were you when that happened? I was. Um, in the shower, up in up up in Washington Heights at 177, and um, getting ready to go to an audition. There was an open call for this little theater down on the east side called the York Theater, and I was came out of the, I was came out about you know getting ready to go down and top on the subway, and my dad called me, and he said, "Hey, are you are you where are you?" And I said, "I'm up 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 north." And he said, "Oh yeah, you have to turn on the TV." Some and he said, "Some plane hit the hit the thing," and I said. Oh. What there's a little, little some little guy in a in a prop playing something, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I spent the next two hours sitting on the couch in a towel after the shower watching, and so like, like, like many many yeah, hours, you know? um and uh, and so that sort of was the beginning of a of a shift um, in my life as it was weird to be in the city, it was weird to sort of just go back to auditions again mm-hmm. trying to go I, I was trying to get an apartment but it, it was we didn't know where to go and and so uh, around november of that year i retreated back to dallas and um ended up uh in dallas thinking maybe i'll do some theater here maybe i'll re- sort of re reinvigorate my my uh career or, or or lack thereof here in dallas and you know, for six months I was there, not really doing anything. Working in an auto park. Yeah, you know? yeah. I my buddy opened up a car accessory store, and I thought, oh, this is cool. Maybe I'll do this. And <laughs> I was close to my family, and we were all kind of working together. Not a lot of singing and dancing there, though. Not a lot of singing and dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, I really, I didn't feel like I was. Um, I don't. I don't remember. My mindset was, we can make this work. We can make this work, and I will figure out the next thing as it comes. Um, was but, there ever a moment when you said, "Hey, maybe I'm not going to make it"? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think as I, 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 I don't. I was too young. I think I was, you know, I was twenty, twenty four at, at the time, and I think I was uh, in the back of my mind, always had some sort of plan, but I didn't have a plan. 
there was some semblance of an idea that maybe I'll, I'll get back in. There was theaters in the area that I'd worked at as a kid um, that I could go back to. Maybe I'll start there. Um, but it was really sort of, it felt very heavy to be in this, you know, car shop. Mm-hmm. And every day they're trying to sell someone tires and screens for their for their car and I didn't I didn't really understand how I was going to break out of that and then um, I talked to a friend in Boston who I'd known when I was there in school and she said hey you know you should come me and James another guy a friend of ours we're, we're, we're I'm come, I don't know what we were doing I can't remember what the plan was but I said yeah I want to come see some I've been here for six months I want to come back and see some friends and I went out there and I had a conversation with her about, she said, well, what are you doing there? And I said, well, you know, and she said, why? And I said, I, uh, um, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. She said, well, we're moving. You know, why don't you come up here and stay with us for a while? And I said, yeah. I'll, up being Boston. Boston, up, uh-huh. Boston. And I did that. And I, I, I was like, yeah, let's do that. Um, there was a dating situation there with her that crashed and burned in a terrible way. But... What it what it showed me was when I I, I, pa- I went back to Dallas and a month later I packed up a car and drove to Boston and um, it it forced me out of that situation that I knew I needed to get out of but wasn't desperate to move to get out of but for some reason this was the catalyst that pulled me out and then as Boston became a new home for me a second a second time after college I started to find find a footing as a 27 year old person now um i did a show called bat boy at the speakeasy theater in in boston and it was it was like do you want to kick i kicked down that's where i kicked down the door i uh, i found i found a place that i was comfortable in and i found a role that was right in my right in the in the in the wheelhouse of a little little fella like me um, in yes. Bad Boy, I don't know if you being, know. Being this, uh, being a pilot, you're you're Hamilton size, right? Yeah, <laughs> he, was, he was a little dude. That was same as a uh, as Bat Boy. Uh, was this little was this little you know freak freak guy that didn't quite fit into a mold of a leading man? I really got to flex the muscles that that uh, that I that I that I had in 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 this in the theatrical world, and and I. I, I was it was it, that was a slingshot for me. That show was a slingshot. Um, I met the writer whose name was Larry O'Keefe, and he said, "Hey, come to New York, and I've got this little kid show that I'm working on." And so I went to New York and auditioned for this kid show called Cam Jansen, and it was this you know fun, quirky little kid show. But this fella named uh, James Lapine, um, I'm sorry, this fella, this guy named Vadim was the music director, and he was working on this little show called uh, Spelling Bee uh, with uh, James Lapine and Bill Finn. And he said, hey, you should come audition. We're doing this thing. And so I went and auditioned for Spelling Bee, and I got the role of Chip Tolentino um, in the first national tour. And, you know, granted, this, these things didn't happen. <laughs> you know, back, 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 there was, I moved to New York, and I worked at Toys R Us, playing with toys in the middle. And, and but which, which is the actor's life in New yeah, York. Yeah, yeah, you know, I did it, it, it. I'd like to think that, you know, in my mind, it all happened like this. But I, there was, I moved there. I had a sublet with a friend, and then I got working at a... a Toys R Us playing with playing with toys and then I got the job. I'm glad you made it, brother, because Toys R Us is I, gone. Yeah, right. That, that, that job was short-lived. Yes. Um, and so that's, you know, I started at Spelling Bee. I did the national tour and then I came back from that and then I got to be my, I made my Broadway debut uh, with that show. Um, 
and when I say my Broadway debut is much different than the show's Broadway debut. The show had been running for three years. Mm-hmm. I came in as as a as a vacation replacement, and so you know, um, I come in all excited, video on Broadway, and everyone said, "Yeah, stand right there, move over there. That's where you start. That's where you get changed. <laughs> Welcome to the team." And so I was there for a couple weeks. And, you know, my first performance, I was like, I was energy ever and everyone had been doing it for two years. So it was a little bit, it was a little bit anticlimactic, but you know, I, this is what it was. That's, that's where my sort of Broadway career, that was the career started. And yet. It's kind of the reverse of this now because you're the staple in the Hamilton production and you've got all these young people who passed through, many of whom, for whom many, this is like. This is your experience. This is this is it. Um, I'm, I'm, it's a great opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I, that's as as these young folks that are coming into the show, and we've been here for a couple of years. It is. I never thought of it that way. The sort of as the you know, I'm the young. I was the young guy coming in and and super excited. And now uh, you're the. You change <laughs> over there. Here's your <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, you also were in uh, uh, in American Idiot, which was sort of a a. Uh, uh, an interesting political piece back in the day. Yeah, you know that, and and I, I consider that really my Broadway debut as well. You know, it was as as you know. Tell, describe the describe the yeah, musical as the as the as the um, as the the you know the the working actor thing, the the struggling actor thing happened. This thing came into my life, and it was called the Green Day Project the Green Day Project, and then we got into the rehearsals and, and everything, and all of a sudden we realized very quickly that it was um, it was the American Idiot album uh, from by Start Green to Day, by Green Day, which is punk rock. Yeah, and, but, and, and that album yeah. was a concept album, um, and it was sort of a politically charged uh, story, very loosely woven story. And kind of it, an indictment of... Of Bush, Bush, and the yeah, Bush and, and they, and it was their, it was their rallying cry against sort of what the, 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 they were, they against the war and against the, you know, the Iraq War and 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 the the policies that were going on at the time, and and, and so they wanted to create this this, you know, peace that sort of was a little bit of a was a little bit of a middle finger to the to the to the government to say, you know, listen to us, listen to the youth, the young people of the, Mm -hmm. and this is how we want to feel. And so it was that it was, it was loud and hard and everyone's bodies were hurting. And, but because we were just, we were, we were raging against, against the powers and it was exciting and it was awesome. A green day. And, you know, I talk to the 12 year old version of myself or 15 year old version and say, Hey, one day you're going to hang out with Billy Joe Armstrong and just chill with them and Trey cool and Mike dirt. And then, and, and all of a sudden the, you know, the 30 year old version of myself is, is doing just living that, that living yes. that dream. And these guys were so cool in their, 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 their involvement and the way that they were passionate about it was awesome. And the energy was just through the roof and it closed after a year. And like any, you know, like any Broadway show or actor, you know, you're so excited to have the job, but these things can come to an end very quickly. Yeah, that's a hard part of the life. Yeah, you know, I think uh, people, uh, when I was a kid, I thought, oh, you've been on Broadway? Whoa, I mean, stop the presses, like that's it. Mm -hmm. You get into the reality of it, and yes, you've been on, and that is an amazing achievement, and yet if that show, if when that show closes, you're, you're out now. looking again. You're out on the pavement, and hopefully your restaurant's still hiring. So one of the I want to fast forward 
to the day that you auditioned for Hamilton because I know we are friends for a reason. That day was if you the definition of a of a, a deeply bittersweet day for you. Yeah, you know, I was a uh, I was again an unemployed actor. Um, I we had my wife and I had now moved to New Jersey with our son and newly born daughter. Uh, uh, and she was born in October of 15, and I had finished my last Broadway show early, earlier on that, that year. So my wife was working. I was an unemployed actor, and um, the sort of Hamilton uh, Hamilton uh, audition process had started actually the year before with no success. They were auditioning for the Chicago Well, that the, that, was the, that was the coming one. The one before was the audition for Broadway I, I I, when they were switching from public theater downtown to Broadway. And I went in, you know, not throwing away my shot. And they said, thank you very much. Have a nice life. And I said, wow, okay, that's, I guess that's, that's how that ends. So when it came back around in May of 2016, I expected a very similar, similar, uh, uh, you know, outcome. And yet this time it sort of, they strung me along a little bit and said, come back, come back, come back. Did you know you were reading for the role of Hamilton? Yeah, I got a a packet that said Alexander Hamilton packet, and here's all the stuff. It was, you know, my shot, Theodosia, uh, Yorktown, Aaron Burser, Helpless. And so I knew... I, and I'd seen the show already. I see, I, and I saw the show with a little bit of a bitter, <laughs> bitter taste yeah. in my mouth. But it was amazing, <laughs> and I remember it being amazing. But you know, so I walked in with zero expectations, and um, you know, four auditions later, here here we stand. And I was auditioning for Broadway as a replacement for Javier, who was going to take over for Lynn when he left, and and or he Chicago. was his under he was his understudy on Broadway. Um, and so he was clearly going to move up into the, the lead role and they needed someone to take over and or the new Chicago production that was being mounted later that year. So I auditioned uh, and, you know, there's these four steps, four, four auditions later, I call my wife and say, hey, I, I'm, we're, we're moving to Chicago. Um, right in the middle of all of that, as an unemployed actor, you know, young father, my wife is working all day long. Um, my daughter had started to uh, exhibit signs of some sort of a delay, some sort of a problem. Um, we didn't work sure what was going on. She's four, five months old. And um, uh, we realized uh, uh, something was not quite right. And then she had a seizure, what we thought was a seizure, at, at about five months. So, And this is just before um, Hamilton started. Right. You said you thought it was a seizure. How did you? I we her face dropped. Her the right side of her face kind of went slack. And up until this point, she wasn't developed. She wasn't rolling over. She wasn't mm-hmm. smiling and laughing a whole lot. Um, but we just thought that was something that could that was just kind of. A, and you uh, knew because Jackson, your son. Oh yeah, he was like a rocket. He mm-hmm. he he did everything early and was you know doing push ups by the time he was five months old. So it was it was it was. But we couldn't quite remember. You know, we, mm-hmm. we remembered that it happened faster, but we didn't quite. But you remember. knew something was but something was not with the same. Adelaide, yes. And um, and so as we were figuring out that we needed to get this checked out, um, she had this weird face tick mm-hmm. thing that happened, and so you know, I went to the took her to the the pediatrician, and we were going to go to the neurologist already. We already had an appointment for the neurologist later that week, and um, and then uh. By the way, your audition for Hamilton is is next week as well. So we're, I'm carrying all this with me, um, really not understanding 
the severity of what was about to happen or what was going to happen with Hamilton. I, there, there was no way that we could have known in that week when she had the seizure and I was having this audition. How what, profoundly your life was going to change for, 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 for good for and good for and bad. bad. I, I, um, you know, I tell this story a lot about the third audition um, as the word epilepsy begins to come into our life. We have this appointment with this neurologist, and she says, "Yeah, epilepsy, generalized epilepsy." And so you go down the Google hole about what that means. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, fast forward to uh, my third audition in uh, New York. Uh, I walk into the room in New York in, at Chelsea Studios, um, and there's 25 people, and Lin Manuel and Jeffrey Seller, the producer, they're all there, and I'm walking in with a, you know. A glaze on my face because a this is the biggest audition of my life this is the biggest show ever and yet I've just left my wife and daughter at the hospital my wife is my daughter's strapped into an EEG they're about to do a lumbar puncture they're they're going in deep mm. to find out what's going on um and so there were these two worlds that were just colliding at the same time and I I think I have to give her a lot of credit Adelaide. for Adelaide. I have to give Adelaide a lot of credit for where we are today because auditioning is terrible. It is the worst part of this job. And so you go into a room like that and it's very easy to get overwhelmed or nervous or let the, the, the moment be more than you can handle. And I walked into that room knowing that this moment was not the most important thing in my life. This time, these few minutes spent in this room yeah. in front of all these people was not going to be more important than than what was going on, you know, 20 miles away in the hospital in New Jersey. And so I think I was able to stay grounded. I was able to stay um, focused uh, because in the back of my mind, I was understanding uh, the severity or the potential severity of what was going on. And I sang... <laughs> Dear Theodosia. Theodosia, I sang Dear Theodosia. You know, for those who haven't seen the play, talk about that song. Um, <clears throat> Theodosia is about two fathers, Aaron Burr and um, Alexander Hamilton, singing to their infant children in their cribs. And it's about hope. And, and their, you know, their aspirations, aspirations for, their, for kids. their kids and what they, what they dream of as the possibilities, the endless possibilities that, that can... Um, that can be achieved um, by these children, and as a father, beginning to beginning to sort of feel the pressure of of uh, maybe this child, my child, will not it, those possibilities maybe um, mm -hmm. being taken away. Um, I I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. How I got through that song that day, but. Maybe I think they saw something in this faraway, faraway gaze that I had to give, just so that I could sing that song there. That allowed that that, that they saw into my soul um, about what was really happening, and they didn't know. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell them what was going on. Nobody mm -hmm. in there knew. Um, and I walked out of the room, and Oscar Eustace, um, the uh, artistic director of the public, and I'd known him from a show before, public theater, yeah. public theater in, in New York. I walked out, and he's this huge bear of a man, and he gave me this gigantic hug and he said Miguel that was beautiful and I said I, I, I didn't know what to do and I 
I said, thanks, man. And I, he left, he left, and I started crying a little bit. And somebody said, hey, man, I'm sure you did great. <laughs> I said, thanks, dude, but that's not why, I, you know, I, I don't care about Hamilton that much, you know. <laughs> um, and, you know, so the emotion of the day and the part was, was, was probably written all over my face. Um, and whatever they saw, whatever I brought in with me from my real life into this fake life, uh, they, they, they picked me and I got to be, they gave me both the jobs. I got to be on Broadway for four months, for four weeks as the understudy for the Broadway company. And I learned the show like a rocket, um, and went on stage as the Broadway Hamilton, um, and I got to perform with some of the original folks there on Broadway. And then we started Chicago rehearsals um, after that. And in, in the middle of all of those rehearsals, uh, my wife had come to Chicago to find us a place to live. And uh, my daughter began having infantile spasms when uh, uh, when, we, when she was gone. And uh, uh, infantile spasms is a... It's a it's the, it's a, it's the it's gnarliest a, of the gnarly version of epilepsy. Of epilepsy. Uh, probably folks who regularly listen to this podcast may know that um, I have a child who's also struggled uh, mightily with epilepsy over the course of her lifetime. We went through some of those same emotions. And uh, my wife, Susan, started an organization called Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy and came to know your wife, Kelly, who's now a stalwart of uh, of cure but i remember susan telling me that this woman called me and her daughter's in the hospital and um now i'm getting ver- verklempt um uh and but i ha- i i had to walk around the block a few times before i went in to see her cuz i didn't want to see another baby dealing with this yeah this is such a extraordinary thing because you've reached the apex of your career you've 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 you know in actors in the actors parlance or in the actors world you you've made it i mean this is this is big time and your child is deteriorating yeah i i um i would ask about um a, a lot i say uh the the whether or not we have been cheated. My family has been cheated out of experiencing this Hamilton phenomenon. You know, it's, I, I talk about it sort of, you know, I wonder, I, the, the question is like, you know, it's like holding onto a comet and a parachute at the same time. You know, we get to, we get to this amazing thing that, that we, that anyone would, would, it's the, it's the best job in the world. And yet the experience is held back or, 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 or affected by this, this thing with my daughter and you know i don't know i don't you know what what, what you folks believe in but you know when we ended up in chicago dealing with this my wife had had worked at a restaurant deal throwing parties for big you know yeah. big fundraisers and one of them was cure for cure in new york in yes. new york and so the minute we got here she reached out to to to, to cure and that's how we that's how we met Susan. That's why she came because she knew about them, and 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 the and the things that you guys do, um, and so for whatever reason, my daughter has epilepsy. I get to be Hamilton, and here we are in Chicago, um, able to use the platform to help 
in you know in any way that we can and i think that's the the difference between being held back this thing is holding us back from experiencing what it could be is not really how i think of it anymore now i think of it as the we have been given the opportunity to sort of yeah. make something out of this and use a platform and and you've surely used that platform and as i mentioned kelly has become a, a leader of cure and uh has a, a a blog and now her own podcast uh uh, to deal with all the aspects of this because it is a defining thing in your life when you have a child who has a really uh, grave illness. And with epilepsy, I always call it terrorism of the brain. Yeah. You, you never know. Yeah, we, what's <clears throat> the, our daily life is um, centered around seizures and the possibility of seizures and, and the the possibility of hospitals and ERs and and um I mean even even death you know it is it is part of our daily thought process um and if that's not terrorism of your brain of the mind of her brain of our mind of our life you know and as a young parent to be told um that something is wrong with your child and that there's not a whole lot they can do right now that that is, I, I just, I, we both experienced yeah. that. That's, that's really why Susan started yeah. Cure, uh, to try and fund, uh, more incisive out of the box research to find answers, uh, to this. So people don't have to confront doctors who say, I, we, we know what it is. We don't know what to do about yeah. it. And, um, and I, sh- I should say shamelessly, CureEpilepsy.org for those who are interested uh, in learning about it. Um, and uh, the the other aspect of this that I'm that I always think about, and I should have thought about more frankly when my kids were younger, is what it means for the other child. You know, that in a way you get punished for being healthy yeah. because I know you guys get, give Jackson a lot of attention. But it's hard to find the time to deal with what your child who's ill needs and schedules change, vacations get scrapped, parties don't happen. Parents are at the hospital, you know, and I, we, my, my son uh, said one, we have a nurse who comes and now helps a lot. Um, and he's, he said, I like Miss Adrian, is her name. And I said, oh, she is really nice. She's really cool. He said, well, yeah, but. But now you guys can talk to me. Now you guys can hang out with me. And I was like, yeah, I, I just, the way that a, his little brain is processing this is, it's, I, I can't even imagine if he's scared or if he, if he is concerned or he's sad. I, I don't know. But he knows. Yeah. He knows something. Well, you know, I, I'll tell you what I found is that, um, and this is true not just of my kids, but I think of all children who find themselves in this position, the siblings, they love their they love their sibling, they know that their sibling is struggling, uh, but they understandably resent the fact that they they're they're not getting the attention they have to their lives in certain ways revolve around the child who's sick and they're angry about it and then they feel guilty. Yeah. 
about being angry, and it's really uh, My, it's it's really a challenge. He had a, a, a ear infection or something, and he had some medicine. And he constantly said, I need my medicine, I need my medicine, yeah. I need my medicine. It's like, what? It doesn't taste that good. <laughs> I'm sure it tastes like bubble gum. And then I really realized he wanted to be like right. his sister. Right, he wanted, because he that's want, how she got she attention. She gets attention when he gets, and I thought, oh. and so on the other side of that, like you said, he is, he attacks her with hugs and kisses yes. and, and love. And so, you know, I we try so hard to make sure that he gets as as much normal as possible in such an abnormal <laughs> environment. Yeah. You know, where we have breathing machines and heart machines and all of this monitoring, beeping and, and and you know, things that are going on in his life that doesn't make him feel like we are that there's there's something freakish happening and that there's not a that he can't be a, a regular kid because he's smart like you said there's going to be something in there that is affected whether it's resentment or anger or whatever and i i, I you know i i urge any other families that are dealing with this to make sure that they are taking care of that kid also absolutely hugely important another aspect of this you mentioned everything that adelaide needs um i'm sure a lot of it is covered by insurance and some of it isn't so uh you're probably pulling down pretty good coin for the first time in your career and it, and you probably need to which is another thing not everybody is the star of a play yeah. uh, of a, a a hit and getting paid what stars of hits get paid i'm not asking you to disclose that here <laughs> uh, but um you know uh i'm sure you think about where you would be if you didn't have the resources to do the things that you need to do i think back to that young family in New Jersey before Hamilton started and I tried to imagine what we would do if yeah. this was happening to us and Hamilton wasn't happening right I think of the the my wife sits down with these piles of bills and you know yes thank God we don't have to worry about it we just write the check and send it off and it's not a big deal but what if we didn't there's got there's families that can't and the the medicines are so expensive and the treatments yeah. are so expensive and we have to we have to, when the doctor says jump, we jump and hope beyond hope that we don't have to fight. And, 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 and I, yeah, this is, you know, uh, I, 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 uh, I talk a lot about the Affordable Care Act and the night that it passed and that I cried the night it passed because our, my family almost went bankrupt trying to deal with the costs associated with having a child who with a pre-existing condition insurance didn't cover her meds we couldn't switch at that time because she had a pre-existing condition and it was a nightmare you know so I, my heart goes out to uh families who and we do have the affordable care act now hopefully we'll have it uh I, into I, the future but i you know it's such a struggle yeah i i think that the the minute they the they said the other day that they were going to strip the, the pre-existing condition yeah. out of there, I, I was pacing in my house yeah. for myself, for everybody else who's chilled. I mean, right. don't they understand? Don't people understand that this is not an option for us? This is right. not something that we can just go figure out on our own. Yes, the market's not going to, the market's can not make the right decision no, on no. this because and it's not cost effective to care for people who are. That, that, that boggles my mind. Yeah. that there are people that think that that's okay for you know will we be okay sure 
but there are, uh, I, you know. So I, I, I can't let you go without talking about the play itself, which I just saw again the other night. I've, I've been to several of your productions and saw the one uh, on Broadway, and it's great every time. It's, it's breathtaking. The first time I saw it, by the way, I only saw it because a friend of mine said, hey, I said, Susan and I are coming to New York. We want to see some plays. He said, well, we got tickets to this thing, Hamilton. It's just opening up. I said, what is it? He said, well, it's like a kind of hip-hop thing about uh, Alexander Hamilton. And I'm thinking, how weird is that? That's going to be dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and like, and it was breathtaking. It was breathtaking. And it's still breathtaking because um, of the power of it, not just the power of the music and the power of the of the uh, production, but because of the power of the story. And I, I guess you've done now 900 or so of these performances. Yeah. Um, is it just, do you, do you retain that sense of the story? Do you retain that sense of the narrative of the beginning of this uh, republic? I think that's really the only, the only part, that's one of the driving forces of behind how I approach every night. I approach every every performance. Um, you know the 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 this, the the person, the people, the people story that happens up there is what was one of the first people asked me a lot. Well, what what is it about the show that you found out? What is it that you learned? And what I learned was that while yes, these guys and these folks were were creating a country. They were also regular people messing up and doing the wrong thing and trying to figure it out in this mess of a, of a beginning in the war and and, the, and, and and you know so it's not black and white in a textbook and it this happened and this happened and this happened there was a lot in there and so as we begin with 19 year old guy trying to figure out his life the journey is it's it, it is clear it's it's it, it is it's clear and and and, and jagged and and hard to 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 emotionally get into or to figure out and yet that's the reason why it works so well yeah is you dive into these the mind of these people and go on this story and and, and go on this journey with them you know what i was sitting there thinking uh, the other night was um you know we have as i mentioned at the beginning we you know we have all this turmoil uh, right now um and um and you think about what people were fighting and giving their lives up for then, this notion of freedom, big things, big, big things uh, that they were uh, fighting over. And um, you, you, you just want to step back and say, hey, we've got something really important here. We ought to perfect it. We ought to live up to those ideals. I mean, obviously, I mean, what's interesting about the Hamilton cast is it's, it's – lot of african-americans hispanic performers and it underscores the fact that at that time you know we you know you had slavery and uh uh you know the freedoms that they fought for were very much the province of of white property owners and so on so we've made a, a lot of progress but the fundamental notion of freedom and human dignity that animated all of that you know that is a trust that's handed down from generation to generation, and it's important that we remember that. You guys perform in the schools here. 
Well, no, they come. To, they come. To oh, they us. come. They come yes. to us. And uh, and and do you have any interaction with these kids? A, a little bit. They the the interaction exists in mostly before the show in the morning time. They perform their own pieces and uh-huh. they perform uh, things that they have written for uh, you know in the time frame some sort of some sort of you know thing about usually it's a lot about Eliza or Martha Washington or something like that. They do their own sort of raps or yes. something about something. Uh, that was happening at the time. And how are they? Do you see? Do you do you see kids who's and do you say, boy, that kid's going to yeah, be on this there's stage? Some, there's you know, there's 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 some that are that get overwhelmed by the time, but there are some that are really they step into the they step on that stage and the sound comes on and they they are I was like, look out that's a that's that's a Lafayette coming up or that's a <laughs> that's an Angelica uh-huh. uh, soon to be um, and that is you know the that is to watch the energy that happens when when these kids perform for each other kind of goes back to what I was talking about before they 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 feel the 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 weight of what is going on I think you know it's yeah. as as much as like a 17 15 year old kid can, can which really is do. Cr- a credit to the Miranda's Lynn Manuel yeah. and and his dad who's a friend of mine yeah. uh for uh arranging to have students uh come and and see this uh play which is very accessible uh for for young people, probably more accessible than it is for oldsters yeah. like me. <laughs> I like to go out into the audience after these shows and do selfie. I do a selfie tour. I'll take selfies up in the balcony because we don't really interact after the show because it would be kind of mayhem. Um, but I take two pictures and they're all so excited. They're all so excited. Some of them never seen a show like this before. Yeah. Any show, not Hamilton, uh, you know, not to mention Hamilton, but like any any sort of big production like this. And I think just to be able to interact in in a small way and say, you know, thank you for coming. Um, and to see the energy that happens. I mentioned earlier that you're the you're the you're the anchor that around which everything revolves. Probably mixing metaphors there, but you're the <laughs> hub around which everything uh, revolves. There, actors come and go. Um, do you do you ever tire of the role? No, no. I think it, when I t- I talk to people a lot about you know when I started when I started training. As, as a as a kid, I think without knowing that you this is what you this is what a, a, an actor will want to be doing this role, doing this job, um, something that is fulfilling artistically, politically now, you know, uh, socially. Yeah. All of a sudden, this becomes much more than just a um, a, a great role. Um, this becomes something important. So to be able to go out there and do that and carry that banner. And not have to work that hard, you know. And I'm not talking about the sweat that happens. Nobody who sees you perform would say <laughs> that. But uh, what, I, what I'm, but I, mean, I know. But you know, the, you 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 inhabit the role now. You know, yeah. you know the moves. You know the songs. You know because the choreography right. is really elaborate in this show. Well, I'm even more speaking of because the actual physical work, the sweat that happens is that's that ha- that is part of it. But the work that has to be done to make the story work, right? To make this song work, right. you know, There's no part of that show that says, "Oh, I got." can't believe I have to go out and do this right now and just get it done with so we can get to the next part. Every part is important and meaningful and moving. And so to make this story work is not a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so just to get in there yeah, and, and, yeah, and, yeah. and find a find my feet and go, it, it, it's... Uh, so I know that one of the things that it's done is provided some stability for your family uh, to be in one place uh, and to be able to get care that Adelaide 
needs. You guys have both become hugely important in the community here, not just the epilepsy community, but the larger community. But the nature of theater is these things at some point end. And what does one do after your entire identity for years and years is is inhabited in this one or 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 you know part of this this one wrapped up in this one thing yeah you know i uh people ask me a lot what i'm gonna do next and i wish i could choose if i could choose i would be doing hamilton for the next 10 years i'm gonna have to drag my old broken body off the stage um i don't get to choose and um the 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 hope is that i can do this for as long as they 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 allow me or as long as I, i can um in this business if hamilton go somewhere else, back to New York or, or something like that, you kind of have to follow or choose, hope to find the next thing. It's, it's a tough life to live. And a tough act to follow. Yeah, and what, are you, what exactly is the next thing that can yeah. follow something like this? So the answer is a gigantic question mark. Um, it, it, it's harder with the family. It's even harder with the sick child. Um, and the the insecurity of the entertainer of the entertainment life is will never go away. Um, so I have to just be grateful and humble and, um, and accepting that right now I've gotten to do this for as long as I have. And, and I will continue to, to put my heart on that stage and assuming and hoping that something will come along and that I will be taken care of and our family will be taken care of. Um, into the next one, where whatever it may be, whether it's Hamilton or you know Hamilton Part Two, <laughs> if Lynn's writing it right now. Well, you are, yeah. Or you could follow him in the third Mary Poppins. You, movie. I, there's yeah. and options are endless, right? <laughs> um, you are a you're a great performer, and I can attest to the fact that you're a wonderful friend. And in the role, you're a star in the role of of dad as as your wife Kelly is who is extraordinary in caring for these kids and doing everything else that she does you know that I, I have to give Kelly a lot of the credit for being the I, I get I get a lot of applause for my job after I finish my job every night and um, people should know that parents of sick kids moms of sick kids deserve heroic heroic beyond what words. They do. heroic and beyond words the way that she has accepted and, and and taken taken her own banner and planted it here in chicago and with cure is is phenomenal so she yeah. needs if you're out there giving her give her a standing ovation of, of her own well we wish you guys all the best thank you so Yosh much Vante, it's great to be here thank you Thank you for listening to The Axe Files, part of the CNN Podcast Network. For more episodes of The Axe Files, visit axefilespodcast.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. For more programming from the University of Chicago Institute of Politics, visit politics.uchicago.edu. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 